follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What is the cloud? It's not just pie in the sky anymore. SAP presents In the Cloud with Game Changers with your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Are you in the cloud yet? If you are, do you know how to maximize its potential? Get ready for an hour of innovations and innovators who will explain how they are using the cloud. Find out how to make it work for you or work more effectively for you. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. And the phrase of the day is shadow IT. Some of you know it as rogue IT. Call it what you will. It's a force lurking outside of traditional IT as many of us know it. On June 14th, our panel had so much to say that we've decided to continue the discussion with some return guests and a new guest added to the panel. Let me tell you what their thoughts are. Their POV, Steve Romero says, if the business fulfilled its obligation to govern IT, and the key word for Steve is govern IT, there would be no shadow IT. We'll be talking to Steve in a minute. Judson Wickham, new to our panel, says, if shadow IT can provide dashboards and charts that executives can twirl around on their iPad, that's a good visual, Judson, they don't care about the source of the information. He also has another knock-it-out-of-the-park statement. He said to me, Bonnie, Excel is the leader in shadow IT. We'll be talking to him in a few minutes and finding out where this bold statement comes from. Jeff Kaplan, returning to the show, says, CIOs are no longer in control of software and technology procurement decisions in their organizations. Here's the kicker, whether they like it or not. And Greg Chase is back, and he says, we've all heard the complaints from the business. IT is too slow. IT is not aligned with the business strategy. At the same time, IT is too controlling and inflexible. Complain, complain, complain. Greg says, really, what we need is a redefinition of the relationship between business and IT. So join me and my panel for more on Me and My Shadow, IT Gone Rogue, Part 2. Welcome to In the Cloud with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. We are live today. It is August 23rd, 2012. OMG, where is summer going? Fast, fast, fast. The days are getting shorter. And that's the way it is. Quick note, take your coffee break with Game Changers with us every Wednesday right here on the Business Channel, 8 a.m. Pacific 11 Eastern, go to sapgamechangersradio.com. Tell us who you are, and we will mail you a beautiful official SAP Game Changers Radio coffee mug. Full expenses paid on us. So now let's meet my special guest. Thrilled to have them here. Steve Romero, the founder of Romero Consulting. We've gone from Stephen. We were so formal in the beginning. Now we're Steve. He's a published and globally recognized IT governance evangelist and IT business value activist. I never asked you about business value activist, but first just say hello, Steve, so we can hear your voice. Hi, Bonnie. It's great to be back with you. 
Wonderful. You're like a regular. I call them a rugalop. Wonderful. Welcome to the show again. We'll be talking about your quote in just a minute. Newcomer to the panel, Judson Wickham. I just met him on the phone about a week ago. He's a cloud consultant, a developer, a blogger, a collaborator, currently implementing SAP Business by Design at Bramasol, which is SAP's first SME partner. And I have to tell you, he once worked at PeopleSoft, then he joined the startup, then startup Pinkberry, and he says he ate way too much frozen yogurt. How are you today? Judson? Doing great. It's great to be here for the first time. Wonderful, and I'm sure we'll be having you back. Thanks for joining me. Jeff Kaplan is a veteran of the show as well. He's, we all know Jeff, Managing Director of Think Strategies and Spell Think All in Capitals. That's the way he does it. That's his brand. Founder of the Cloud Computing Showcase. He's the organizer and host of the very popular Cloud Innovators Summit's Executive Forum Series. That's a lot on the business card. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing well and good to be with you again. Thank you so much. Always happy to have you. And Greg Chase, my colleague at SAP, is a Senior Director of Cloud Solution Marketing at SAP. He's an expert on IT cloud strategy and a frequent blogger on software tools and development related to cloud. And Greg says he's passionate about showing people how cloud technologies can help IT optimize and transform businesses. How are you today, Greg Chase? I'm always happy to be here on SAP Radio. Thank you so much. We're happy to have you. So let's go dive back into my opening and find out what you all meant by the quotes that are so pithy and so P-O-V-E. We have to do a deep dive. Steve Romero, if the business fulfilled its obligation to govern IT, there would be no shadow IT. Talk to me, Steve Romero. Okay, and I know we want to keep these answers short. Um, (laughs) This is a really heady heady conversation. Um, First of all, IT governance is a function of the business. Most organizations mistakenly look at IT governance as a function of IT, when in fact IT governance is about the business ensuring that information technology decisions are in the best interest of of the enterprise. They're aligned with the enterprise. They're delivering value. They're managing risk, performance, and resources. So when the business governs information technology decisions, one of the fundamental questions that they will ask and answer is, when should that information technology be provided through a centralized construct or a decentralized construct? And so if if the business was governing IT, any instance where it made sense that the business or uh, uh, an organization or an entity within the enterprise outside mm-hmm. of IT should be making information technology uh, decisions or procuring information technology, that would simply be something that that, that that oversight, that governance oversight would review and then either approve or disapprove. Interesting. So we've got the word govern in there, and you're saying you need more governance, more strict control. I have a question for you, Steve, before we move to Judson. Question is, you mentioned enterprise first, then you went to business organization entities. Now, are we talking enterprise big companies, or can we be applying today's lessons about shadow IT to startups or small to mid-sized companies? What do you say? Well, yes, absolutely. Enterprise is my catch-all for for any type of of organization, whether it be public, private, small, medium, or large. Thank you. Always good to level set because we have an audience of tens of thousands of people listening. We want everybody to feel there's something here on In the Cloud with Game Changers for them. So thank you for that. And let's turn to Judson Wickham. Judson, you said if Shadow IT can provide, I love this, dashboards and charts that executives can twirl around on their iPad. I can just see things twirling. They don't care about the source of the information. Is this really true, Judson? Come on. I think it's absolutely true. And I just love the image of executives walking around their offices, twirling around pie charts, tapping things and getting numbers, and um, believing in what they're getting. 
And I believe that they don't care about the source of the information because they're abstracted from IT. Um, they usually don't directly interact with IT, and therefore they don't really care where their technology comes from, from within their organization. So um, business units within an organization can select their own technology now. It's so easy to do through the cloud that, you know, it's carte blanche for anyone in the organization to go out and get what they need. Um, I feel that IT right now is becoming a commodity and um, a commodity that is easily consumed by business units in an organization. And by the way, I'm coming from this, coming to this from the perspective of the small to medium enterprise and the startup mm -hmm. area, where things are less ill-defined than, um, or more ill-defined than large mm -hmm. enterprise. Tell me something. Excel is the leader in shadow IT. That's very, very heavy duty. What do you mean by that, Judson? Are you serious about that, too? I am absolutely serious about that because I have seen this so many times where, uh, you know, a company will have a full-blown ERP in place that they've spent years and millions of dollars implementing, and yet everyone is just taking the data, putting it into Excel, and, you know, using formulas to manipulate it the way that they want to produce whatever results that they want. So I do think that Excel is still the main tool in shadow IT and culprit. Um, and I don't think that's going away anytime soon. Thank you very much. And let's turn to Jeff Kaplan. You say CIOs, chief information officers, are no longer in control of software and technology procurement decisions in their organizations, whether they like it or not. Well, you know, Judson uh, took a little bit of my thunder there, but I'm going to add to that and go beyond just SMBs and say that this phenomena is also occurring within enterprises where uh, the end user is maybe even further away from headquarters and therefore uh, more prone to find alternative sources for software as well as systems that can meet their day-to-day -day, um, job requirements. And that's the uh, chief uh, motivation between, or behind, rather, the uh, adoption of both software as a service and this broader concept of cloud computing. Okay, and we'll be talking to you more about that. Thank you, Jeff. And let's wrap up our review of the quotes here from Greg Chase. We've all heard complaints, yada, yada, yada. The IT is too slow. IT is not aligned with business strategy. IT is too controlling. IT is too inflexible. IT is BAD. Are we going to go there, Greg? And you're saying really what we need is to redefine the relationship between business and IT. Talk to me, Greg Chase. Well, I'm thinking it's funny how in this this day of overworked IT departments with shrinking budgets that were bemoaning the existence of these shadowy rogues dabbling in the IT craft inside the business, the IT department should be happy for it. Um, the problem isn't the fact that the business is engaging in an IT practice, it's how it's being done. Um, the, the business is doing a very good job of meeting their specific spot business needs, but they typically are doing it without proper standards in place, without considering the entire health of the company in general. And, of course, there's a lot of things they don't think about in terms of, like, security, legal agreements, and um, even uh, pay, are they paying too much for the service they're procuring? 
I'm going to go back to Jeff. You're all being so well-behaved and so brief in your answers. I think we have two minutes left, which never happens in the first segment after people talk about their POV. Jeff Kaplan, I want you to comment on what Greg Chase says. Do you think that IT really has got the bad boy or the bad girl reputation where they're just not talking to the business, they're slow, and they're full of rules and regulations, and people don't want to work with them? What do you think? Well, there's no question that there are some good IT departments out there, but for the um, the general um population of business users, IT is certainly seen as an obstacle to their success rather than, than an enabler. And it's an extension of IT as a technology as well as IT as an organization. That is, you know, the, the old technology was too complex and too costly, as was the old software. And too often it got in the way of people getting their jobs done, and that's why they started looking for something that was easier and simpler to take advantage of. Uh, they've found that in smartphones, and they're now finding that in software as a service, and they are loving it. And, of course, the smart software as a service uh, uh, companies are taking advantage of that, offering up free trials and even free single-user licenses uh, to entice them to move in that direction and hoping that the um, renegade employee will become the internal advocate on their behalf. Interesting. And I want to go back to Judson just for a real quickie. I can give you 15 seconds on this. Judson, I, I'm still bothered when you say executives just want to twirl dashboards and charts around on their iPad. Is that all they want to do, or they just love the amusement and the entertainment factor? I, and, and it's like, what do you think? I think that they love the entertainment and amusement factor of playing with the iPad. That's why I think that the iPad is the standard operating tool for the executive nowadays. Um so I absolutely believe that. Okay, yeah, should, thank they, you. They should call it <laughs> yeah. iCandy, not iPads. Well, that's something else. That's somebody else yeah. in the executive suite. We'll talk about that later. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to We're Already Having a Lot of Fun here in the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. My very special and vocal guests today are Steve Romero, Judson Wickham, Jeff Kaplan, Greg Chase. Great panel. Lots more insights on shadow IT, rogue IT. Where is it going? What's it doing? How is it impacting your company? And what can you do to stop this renegade force that might be going head-to-head with your IT department. There'll be lots more when we come back. We're going to head for our first break. Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
In the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP Radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers. We're back, and I want to flip this conversation around. We're talking to Judson and Steve and Jeff and Greg about shadow IT, rogue IT, and we're sounding like it's a bad thing. But I understand from Steve Romero, quote, there's nothing wrong with shadow IT as long as it is appropriately governed and managed. Steve Romero, kick this off with me, please. What do you think? How tightly governed, how tightly managed? Where are we? Well, when you say tight, and, and I want to, I want to remove away from tight governance or even the word control because people have an automatic aversion to that. Governance is all about assurance. It's all about making sure that the, that the decisions are in the best interest of the enterprise. It's not supposed to be limiting. It's not supposed to be debilitating. And, and so w- when it's appropriate for, for information technology to be appropriated or consumed or provided outside of, of our, our, historic, um, our historical, you know, centralized IT constructs, then that is something that is incredibly valid. It can be very, very powerful. It can be very, very effective in an organization. What the problem is is when that decision is made outside of the oversight of the enterprise that ensures those five principles of IT governance that I mentioned earlier, you know, ensuring that it's aligned with the business, delivering value, managing risk, managing performance, and, and, and managing resources. And I want to get back to something that Judson said earlier. You know, he said that, you know, executives, they want to be able to twirl around their stuff on their iPad, and it's really fun, and they don't care where it comes from. I would agree, but there's one thing he, he kind of he also mentioned was as long as that information is true, and therein lies the rub. It's great on day one when you fire up your iPad and you're getting that really gee whiz stuff, but all of a sudden let them come to a point where they find that that data isn't true, that the data hasn't been held in confidence, that that data integrity hasn't been assured and it's been corrupted somehow, or that that data is not available. On a, on a certain day where they want it. All of a sudden, the, the, the sexiness of that iPad, the, the shine is going to come off that diamond. Okay. Jeff Kaplan, yeah, what do you I, think about all this? Judson. Oh, Judson, um, go ahead. Go I ahead. actually completely agree with what you're saying there. Um, but I find, that, I find that that's an issue no matter what type of model your executives are coming from. Even if they're using an ERP that's been tested, for the last 30 years and they're getting information delivered to their iPads, they still will question it. So um, I don't think that, you know, the source has anything to do with it, basically. So um, the, the question remains to the source of truth no matter what. Um, right. And it's getting tougher in this environment as well. Jeff Kaplan, and, and what Bonnie, do you think? And Bonnie, Jeff, yeah. um, there are a couple yeah, things please. I would add to that. Uh, First of all, whether we like it or not, as I said before, this is happening, and organizations are going to have to get used to this bottom-up approach to um, uh, not only uh, technology adoption, but technology um, uh, suggestions from the end user, the edge in, as opposed to the uh, typical approach, which is the top-down. And the enlightened CIOs are going to recognize that there's something, and CXOs, if you will, uh, are going to recognize there is an advantage to this because there's nothing better than having your, your end users energized by applications that are going to make them more productive. But it is, of course, the CXO uh, responsibility to make sure that whatever uh, uh, software and systems and services are adopted 
do, in fact, uh, meet certain um, compliance and security uh, parameters to safeguard the organization. And, Good and point. Mr. Judson, I just want to cut in one more time. And I agree with that. It's just that in the spaces that I've seen, that governance is not there. And uh, basically, the the rogue uh, label is absolutely true to where business departments are selecting things based on two things. One, what they're used to, uh, you know, from a job that they came from before, and then two, some new SaaS offering in the cloud. But I don't see the central management and central governance like like you're mentioning um, in the small medium enterprise area. So you end up with a hodgepodge environment that is unintegrated and very difficult to manage um, centrally. I have a question for all of my guests. Just a completely naive question coming out of left field. Bear with me, please. At what point is an organization... Hey, Bonnie, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Yeah, I can't hear Bonnie anymore. Justin, can you get me up, please? Justin, can you hear me now? Okay, good. Sorry, got real quiet here. I have a question for all of you. Thank you. Thank you for saying you couldn't hear me. Question is naive one coming from completely left field. I want to know at what point does an organization, and, and Steve kindly defined organization enterprises as any kind of business, small, medium, large, gargantuan, whatever. What point in an organization is the awareness Coming to the to the awareness to the uh, the vision or the the uh, uh, scope of IT that there is rogue. At what point does it become obvious that somebody has done what is let's say against the rules or not in the handbook? Somebody's going outside. They're converting everything to Excel. They're buying other apps. They're buying software that isn't in the. This is what we do in our company. So when does it come out that there is the presence of rogue? Who wants to take that? I can take that. Um, this is Judson. It's, yeah, please. It, it happens immediately. Um, you know, at Pinkberry, every department went out and got their own pieces of technology, um, you know, whether we liked it or not in the IT department. And we had implemented SAP business by design, but because the product wasn't mature at the time, it, some departments simply abandoned fu- functions that we had provided for them. And they just purchased and procured whatever they wanted to. So I say would, I would even say that at the startup level, um, this happens, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing at all. So, um, you know, getting your strategy defined early on is the way to go, I think. I would agree okay. with that. I, I think that any smart organization, any smart CIO or CXO should assume that it's already happening all around them. Uh, if there are people within the organization who have the privilege of using a smartphone or an iPad, whether it's at their home or in their office, you can bet they're discovering apps that can uh, meet their mm-hmm. needs on a day-to-day basis that the um, the company or organization as a whole may not be satisfying. In fact, if you just think of that term alone, apps, a year ago, we never used that term, and certainly it was not a popular term outside of the technology industry, but mm-hmm. now it's a term that everybody knows, everybody understands, and I know I've got three boys who pride themselves on how many apps they've got on their smartphones. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Greg Chase, I need to hear from you. We haven't heard from you in a while. What do you think? Everybody's so fabulously interesting. It was just uh, enjoying, <laughs> uh, enjoying listening. Um, well, I'm glad. Well, 
I have one takeaway, and that is that I think the panel has generally agreed that the problem with shadow IT is that it's ungoverned, similar to the problem we have with IT not being governed. So really, this isn't an IT problem. This is a business problem. So the business needs to figure out how it wants to handle this need for people to get their job done and to select the, select what it is they're familiar with to get the job done. Um, and this is where I get into a new kind of working model. And I'll give you an example of some disconnects of how traditional IT versus um, business developers work. So uh, business these days, especially those people on um, uh, coming from uh, recent business schools and, and uh, a little bit forward thinking and things like business process management, they like to work iteratively. And that's a complete disconnect from how IT likes to work in a traditional waterfall uh, waterfall model. So the question is, can we take advantage of of technology trends such as a lot of services being available from cloud that get away from having to do long technical complex technical tasks so that IT can start working more iteratively? And this, if we can define business initiatives in an iterative fashion that include technical implementation from services, I think we can get a little closer to this business governance of uh, whether it's shadow or traditional IT that's um, uh, or both that are working on the implementation of, of say, such a business initiative. Thank you, Greg. I want to ask the panel, corporate culture, at what point, we've, we've said, Judson said, immediately you will know if there's rogue or shadow IT. We've talked about governance. We've talked about organizations of all sizes being aware. We've talked about executives loving to play with their little toys on their, on their iPads, which shi- the shiny penny, as we call it, and not caring where the source of the information is, good, bad, or ugly. So my question is, at what point, let's, let's go to the top, Steve Romero, big enterprise, medium-sized enterprise, they're aware of this. It's getting to be either annoying or painful or it's just messing up with how they want to do their business and what their goals are as a business strategy. Who in the organization gets to be the bad guy, the bad gal who says, wait a minute, let's stop this. Do you get everybody in the auditorium and say, okay, show us what you're using and we're taking it away? What's the actual process? You know, it's great to say governance, but who's the governor? How do they rule? Can you help me with this? You know what? I don't think there's going to be a one-size-fits-all. And I think okay. the, the first answer, the knee-jerk response, is going to be the CIO. But that puts, the, the, you know, the CIO once again, and IT once again in the position of CIO, you know, the one that's going to be the roadblock, the one that's going to be stopping and controlling um, the organization. I would love to see it at the highest levels of the organization. I would love to see, to see the CEO or the CFO step in. But, but again, in the absence of, of that business governance, in the absence of that ownership and accountability, at that sea level, it almost always defaults mistakenly, in my belief, to the, C, to the CIO. I mean, the business years ago delegated mm-hmm. information technology decisions to, to IT and the CIO. That delegation devolved into abdication. And, and now, when, when that rogue IT starts to, to bite an organization, you know, starts to affect mm-hmm. it in an adverse fashion, uh, you know, it's almost always going to be the CIO that steps up. But I would much prefer that the CFO or the CEO stepped in and didn't just say stop it, but first asked what incented this organ, you know, this, ah. this, this organization or business unit. What incented them to go around whatever provisions or capabilities that we have in place right now, and and what problems did it create as opposed to just having a knee-jerk reaction that it's a bad thing and it should be it should be crushed. 
Okay, good. Thank you for taking me up to the halfway break, Steve Romero. When we come back, I'm going to talk more about the parts of the organization that do and don't care, who goes rogue most. I have a couple of key words here from Judson Wickham, one of our guests today. He says, marketing departments go rogue the most. Is that true? IT cannot force technology on your partners. CIOs don't, CEOs don't care what technology their company uses. And executives just don't understand how IT works. Some pretty heavy-duty statements here. We're going to dive into those with Jeff Kaplan, with Steve Romero, with Greg Chase, and, of course, Judson Wickham. When we return after the break, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to SAP Radio in the cloud with my four special game changers. Right back. Justin, out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. In the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP Radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers. Talking about shadow IT, rogue IT, when does it rear its head? How does the organization know it's there? How do you ask why people are doing it in the first place? But now I want to do a really deep dive and dissect the organization. According to Judson Wickham, our guest today, he says marketing departments go rogue the most. Judson, why do you say this? I think that happens because marketing people think of themselves as highly creative and um, on the cutting edge of things like social media, they're always the advocates for social media in the enterprise. And they feel comfortable consuming um, SaaS products that they can just find via the web to f- fulfill whatever need that they have. Um, and in my experience, they don't even interact with IT uh, for those items that they purchase. Um, I've seen it many times with many different tools. Um, so I definitely think that marketing departments are the most rogue. Um, however, I don't think that the, the rogueness, if that's a word, of marketing departments <laughs> it is, now. <laughs> is the main challenge. I think one of the most difficult challenges in the business is when people bring software from 
an old organization that they used to work at into the new organization just because they're used to it and they like it. Um, to me, that is something that uh, hurts the overall IT strategy of a company much more than marketing departments using SaaS products. Um, Very interesting. I can give a quick example. There's yeah, at Tank please Berry, do. Um, yes. The operations department wanted to use this tool called Fran Connect, and this tool is extremely outdated um, compared to today's standard. But because the uh, because the the leaders of that organizational group had used it in their previous job, they wanted to bring it to Pinkberry, even though it was mm-hmm. probably not a good fit. So uh, I don't have insight to whether they're using it now, but yeah, that was an issue at the time. So uh, good example. I think that's Thank one of the you. Most important issues, actually. Thank you. Who else on the panel? Jeff or Steve well, or Greg? Anybody else have a defense of yeah. marketing people who go rogue on the IT department? Yes. Um, I will agree with Justin <laughs> that creativity, and it's not just that we all like design. It's a lot of times we are trying to perfect and find new ways to cut through the noise to reach and get our messages out to our targets. Um, and uh, this isn't something that isn't necessarily always provided by out-of-the-box or even out-of-the-cloud software. So we actually need a degree of freedom to be able to do the implementation at the same time, have the automation in place so that we can um, uh, have high-quality operations and, and get hold of the data we're looking for and be able to slice and dice the data. So to that extent, uh a proper working relationship with IT would give us this kind of freedom and give us this kind of fast implementation we're looking for. Well, so you also re- have to keep in mind that yes. we live in a dynamic world, and uh, the business users feel that to a greater extent than the IT folks. Um, as a result, uh, they're being forced to find tools, software, as well as uh, system tools, to meet these needs that we've been talking about today and to uh, use those in a very fluid, real-time fashion and to iterate uh, continuously when it comes to interacting with not only the prospective customers but existing customers, partners, and others. And uh, unfortunately, the centralized systems of the past and software solutions just were never designed to meet those needs, especially when you talk about an increasingly dispersed workforce and a more global uh, marketplace. Great points, Jeff, and you bring me to a segue to something else I wanted to bring up from Judson's notes. He says, as IT, you cannot force technology on your partners, and Judson gave me the example of the franchise operation, such as Pinkberry, where he worked, and he said, you can tell everybody you have a POS point-of-sale system, but nothing will stop the franchisees from doing exactly what they want. Anybody else have another example or want to talk to that point of, uh, we're talking outside of the organization, to the partner, to the network, the franchisee the channels that are part of your company's business, and they are very independent. You don't know their background. You don't know if they read the employee or the franchisee manual. So how is that manageable through governance, Steve Romero? Let me ask you that. Is governance going to impact the franchise? manageable through governance because what you're talking about is is establishing a federated governance model. And, And that is, you know, and a lot of people think governance, oh, it's centralized, it's central control, when in fact you can have governance and still have those decisions done outside of a centralized construct. And, and a federated model is incredibly valid. In, in, a, in a franchise model, it might make sense to establish a federated model. And it's only in those instances where you need 
certain things to be to, to be you know held in common, if you will, between the franchises that you would that you would try to, for lack of a better term, dictate what the franchises should do. But but when you do, when when that has to be dictated, it's absolutely imperative that the franchises are included in that decision, that they understand the rational and rationale of that decision, and that they're participating in it. And who knows if they understand the limitations that that the that the central organization believes exist. You know, including the franchises in that conversation, you might find that there are ways to overcome some of those restrictions that might be perceived by the by the company that feels that there needs to be a standard that's shared by all the franchises. Thank you, so Steve. I, what I have a point to make on yeah, that. Go ahead, Johnson. And that is, and that is I, I don't think that you can explicitly require franchisees to use whatever tools that you prescribe because, you know, ultimately it comes down to sealing the deal. So if you're about to sell, you know, a, a huge block of franchises and they say, I don't want to use this point of sale system. I want to use my own that I've been using at my other restaurants. Uh, what are you going to do? Turn down the deal um, and not make the money or uh, or let them use their own point of sale system? So uh, I was going to say, uh, if only everyone had the kind of control that franchisors have over a franchisee, um, when you've got a case of, you know, a much more independent kind of association or even just within a department, um, you, you know, the government, as, as Steve is saying, governance has to be designed. And that's one of the things nobody really, a lot of companies don't really sit down is to say, so how are we going to govern this thing? How can we design, for example, a federated model, which I think is going to be more and more the rule even in large companies. I have a question for all of you. We are using the word franchise, franchisees, franchisors right now. What if we substituted the word subsidiaries? What if we said it's not just people who buy in and give you the ten grand or the million to have a store that has your name on it and they have the chicken suits or whatever it is? What if it's you expanding globally and you're, uh, you're acquiring companies, you're bringing them in as subsidiaries, or you're starting new companies and they're far, far away? How does the governance model, Steve Romero, let me turn to you. How does the governance model work in terms of IT governance for subsidiaries, how much control should you have? Right, and and uh, you know what? I don't think it, it really has much of a different answer than some of your some of the franchise questions. I mean, okay. the, the reason you establish any control is because you're trying to ensure those outcomes that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. You know that that our information technology is aligned with the business delivering value, managing risk, resources, performance. So it's only in those instances where you find that those principles aren't being met, where there where there is a problem with keeping things secure, and that you're incurring some some uh, uh, unwanted risk when you're not. Where you're not, you know, using resources as well as you can, and you find that you're wasting money. It's only in those instances that you'd say, okay, well, we have to apply some governance, some oversight, such that we can influence the decisions so it creates the outcomes that we want. And so, having subsidiaries doing something that's completely out of out of the norm of of the of the parent organization is 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 absolutely fine. It's only when it becomes detrimental. To the goals, to the mission of the of the of the parent company, that you would want to get involved with governing those decisions. In fact, I would argue, and I'm an IT governance evangelist. I would argue mm-hmm. I want my subsidiaries and franchise to have as much decision making authority as possible. The more that I can push decisions down to the customers and to the to, to where the work is being done, the more effective that decision is going to be. It's 
begrudgingly that I'll apply that governance and that process when I have to, again, assure those outcomes, when, I'm in, when I have to do something about risk or making sure that I'm getting the most value and I'm not being wasteful. And the good news is, since I'm always looking at the world through, through cloud-colored glasses, as you know, mm-hmm. Bonnie, the good thing yes. is uh, two things here, in fact. One, that the experience that many IT professionals have had with the success of the open-source movement in recognizing the power of the crowd, so to speak, in terms Mm -hmm. of innovations and the fine-tuning of um, new technologies to meet um, legitimate um, enterprise requirements in combination with the mechanism of the cloud to facilitate the kind of dialogue that we're talking about here from the bottom up uh, on a global basis. It puts IT in an advantageous position that they've never had before to be able to not only solicit that input, but be able to, in fact, capture that um, that input in a uh, effective fashion and report it back to those constituents and mm-hmm. act on it in a more uh, successful way as well. So I was just going to call on you, Jeff, and I'm glad you chimed in. So you must be prescient or omniscient or you just know what I'm thinking. But I was going to talk to you, a talking point you sent me about measuring and reporting the success of the applications in an integrated portfolio is easier with SaaS solutions. So that's what you're talking about, right, is showing the success and then giving it back to people so they can see why to buy in, what the reason is, what the collaboration will benefit everybody. Is that the way you're going? Absolutely. Um, Not only within the organization, but uh, because the – a uh, SaaS provider is using a common uh, service delivery uh, mechanism, and we won't get into the nuances of how SaaS mm-hmm. is built and all the rest, but just leave it simply that there is a common database that um, is capturing every keystroke. Uh, there are ways for the, um, the users of those services uh, increasingly to, to take advantage of that metadata to measure their effectiveness in relation to their peers that was not possible in the past. And I can speak from experience because I actually helped to launch the Metagroup benchmarking practice 20 years ago when it was a gruesome paper-based business. When we uh, were pleading with customers who wanted, clients rather, who wanted this kind of benchmarking data but couldn't provide it themselves because they couldn't capture that data on a a, uh, day-to-day basis. Now we're in a position where we are capturing that information. Of course, we have to be uh, mindful of the privacy and the proprietary issues associated with this. But it's kind of akin to what we see in the consumer market. None of us minds when we get on Amazon and we order a book or some other product, and it uh, immediately suggests some other book or product we might be interested in based upon common patterns of consumption. So, Jeff, I have an agreement and a disagreement with you on that. So, first of all, benchmarking, everybody wants it. It's one of the uh, biggest contributions that ASUG provides to SAP customers is benchmarking. And, yes, it is a little bit gruesome paper based on, in the case of on-premise ERP. Um, so, and the point definitely, being, uh, more effective when you are all on the same system and able to share that data across the community. But from the customer perspective, uh, a lot of customers aren't on a single system other than a few lucky by design customers. Uh, They actually have several different SaaS, and I believe we are at the break. 
We are at the break. I have the advantage of, of link chatting with Greg because we're on the same system. I tell you what, when we come back, it's going to be the crystal ball segment. And three of you know, and one of you is about to find out. I'm going to ask you all the same question. Look ahead five years to 2017. What will Rogue or Shadow IT look like? Will we still be calling it Rogue or Shadow? Or will it be a thing of the past in the future? And I'd like you all to touch on the idea of innovation, how getting rid of Rogue or harnessing it or using better governance, Steve Romero, will help us have a better better culture of innovation that everybody buys into. So we're at the break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is In the Cloud with Game Changers. We'll be right back with the crystal ball predictions. You won't want to miss this. Don't even think of touching that app. Hi, Greg. Justin out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce over 70% of the world's chocolate, more than 50% of the world's brand name jeans, over 72% of the world's beer, more than 86% of the world's athletic footwear, and over 65% of the world's televisions. Learn more at www.sap.com. Think you know SAP? Think again. SAP customers produce more than 52% of the world's movies, collect tolls for over 1.75 billion road miles traveled each year, and represent 80% of the companies on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. SAP customers fly more than 1.1 billion of the world's passengers, courier over 50% of the world's packages, and manufacture over 77,000 automobiles a day. Learn more at www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are in the cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. If you have a question or comment for Bonnie or her guests, send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. You can also tweet your comments to pound sign SAP Radio during the show. Now back to In the Cloud with Game Changers. Weather forecast is very clear in the cloud today because I'm asking my four esteemed panelists to talk about their crystal ball view of weather in 2017, five years from today, or any time they want to set the crystal ball at. Whether we'll still be talking about rogue IT. Let's start with Steve Romero. What do you see coming ahead five years, Steve? You know, I don't think we will be talking about rogue IT. I think we're seeing a shift, and I, I think it's just going to become uh, uh, an accepted approach for most enterprises that the business has, has you know, the capability to procure and provide information technology. What, what we're going to see in five years, though, is, is the problems of governing that now. It's, it's hard enough to ensure that information technology is aligned with the business delivering value, managing risk, performance, and resources. When information technology is centralized, now let's have it decentralized without control, and, and the problem just becomes exacerbated. But I think that where it's going to become an accepted model. Accepted model. Question for you. We haven't covered the word excitement. Do you think people are excited when they think, wow, look what I'm doing? Well, it might not be in the handbook, but gee, this is a really cool solution or app or SaaS solution, and I'm going to benefit the business, and they'll appreciate me. Is that the mindset that people have today, Steve? I didn't ask you that. 
You know, I, 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 it's hard for me to believe that they're doing it for any other reason that they want to help the enterprise. And I think excitement Thank you. And, and sexiness has a lot to do with it. I think that there's well, it's well-intentioned, these decisions. Now it's just a question of whether or not it's in the long-term best interest of, 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 the, of the organization where it's taking place. Thank you. I wanted to get that point across because I don't think we're talking about bad people here. We're talking about people who are trying to do something in the way they think is best for their job, for the, their role, for the strategy. They think their understanding of the strategy. Uh, and they're not business terrorists, shall we say. Let's move to Judson Wickham. Judson, what do you see in your crystal ball from your perspective and your perch atop IT where you've been working for so many years? What do you see? Yeah, so um, my perspective is that IT will have a completely different function than it does now. Um, and that function will be as advisor and collaborator to the business, um, not dictator. So the concept of rogue and shadow IT, I believe, will just become the standard practice among businesses, especially young, growing businesses. Um, I see nothing wrong with allowing business departments to select what they feel will get their job done the best. And I don't think that as an IT person, you can completely understand the requirements and dictate what they should be using. So I do see in 2017 IT as advisor, integrator, strategizer, collaborator, but not dictator. So I see, I hear you saying something in, in effect permission based that we'll, we'll look at what you've brought in, we'll evaluate it, maybe we'll help you find something better, but we won't squash you and put the gavel down and say case closed, guilty as charged. Is that what I'm hearing you say, Judson? That's exactly right. I mean, with this, that kind of shift is going on right now already. And, um, like, I don't remember who mentioned this before, but, um, ultimately I feel that the accountability is at the, the CXO level, and I think it actually comes down to the CFO because, um, you know, we're all in business to make money. So um, I think that that's where the IT decisions will ultimately end up bubbling up to, um, you know, especially with this model of departments selecting their own solutions. Interesting point of view. Thank you for bringing that to the table today. And Jeff Kaplan, Think Strategies. What do you see, Jeff? We've done this with you a couple times before. 2017, is that still a good year for you to do a prediction on Rogue and Shadow IT, Jeff? Hey, I'll take a crack at it. What the hell? Okay. Uh, the fact <laughs> is that, um, as someone earlier said, um, uh, this idea of Rogue IT will be passe. It may still be occurring in some organizations that are not forward-minded enough to understand that the way in which um, uh, software and system functionality are acquired is no longer from the top down alone, but also comes from the edge in. Um, and it will be those companies who understand and find reasonable ways of managing that process who are most likely not only to succeed but to also survive in this changing marketplace. Because one thing we haven't done uh, to a great extent over the past hour is talk about the generational influence of all of this. You know, we've got a new generation of of, um, people coming to the marketplace who are used to being empowered by things like Facebook and and Twitter and all the rest who are going to expect, if not demand, this kind of uh, freedom. 
but who will also recognize that they have certain responsibilities within an organization to comply with the governance um, uh, parameters that have been set forward as long as those are reasonable. So I think we'll come to a um, good balance within the next uh, five years or so among those companies who understand that this is the way the world is moving. Okay, thank you. And, yes, I think one of the reasons we, we brought Judson Wickham on the panel was to have that generational point of view, and I think we really got it today. So I'm glad he's here. And let's turn to Greg Chase from SAP. Greg, Crystal Ball, 2017. I'll start with some uh, trends here. So, first of all, uh, yeah. we are all going to be uh, having only cell phones and twirling iPads, and that is what we have to work with. <laughs> and it will be our device, and we can do what we want with it. Second, ah. IT itself is transforming into more of a business services service broker operation. It won't. It may even cease to be its own um, uh, large discipline. May even just turn into an aspect of, say, the, the COO's office. Um, and uh, rather than having lots of technical complexities or technical skills, you'll be uh, you'll have more legal and more purchasing, and um, and some experience in doing uh, planning for heterogeneous architectures. Lastly, I'm going to take a stab at governance, and and Steve can agree or disagree with me on this, is that governance itself is even going to pull back a little bit if they are no longer governing what's on people's device per se and what the tools that they use there, what we will be doing is focusing on what is the actual property of the um, uh, of the corporation and that will be the data, that will be the uh, how you, uh, you interact and work with the different uh, business processes. Okay, so we're talking BYOD here. What 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 are you bringing? What are you bringing? What are they giving you? Who owns what? B- is it the shell? BYOD and and be your own worker. Oh, I like that, Steve Romero. I can give you 15 seconds to rebut that if you want to. Yes? No. no I wouldn't necessarily rebut it. Um, I think we're in violent agreement, and would probably have to do another radio segment <laughs> on it. <laughs> violent <That's> agreement. <laughs> okay, I'm it's time. I love it. It's time for Bonnie's predictions now, and mine are easy because they're right here in front of me. Okay, let's see. In the Cloud with Game Changers next Thursday, very special topic, women in IT and global business, the face of women, glass ceiling, all that good stuff. Are they in IT for a certain reason? How did they get there? What is their future? What is their impact? Talk about gender-based and and generational-based. We'll be talking to some really smart ladies next week, and Thursday, September 6th, we'll be talking about mobile moments doing some case studies with IBM and then on Coffee Break with Game Changers next Wednesday, August 29th we're revisiting a topic we've done once before, Sweet and Sour of Getting Investors, the do's and don'ts of making the deal part two, we're going to be talking to some VCs, some angels some people who are the beneficiaries of their largesse, meaning their money their funding, and finding out what should you do and look for when you're the one asking for the money, what should you be looking for in your VC or your angel good point of view, and Wednesday September 5th, right after Labor Day, we're covering mobility, the RTE way, right time experiences. Quickly, if you're a startup, go to spr.ly forward slash cap SAP cap S startups. And in the U.S., we're having August 30th will be a special startup forum in Palo Alto, August 29th, Paris, Dublin, Singapore. We'll be in Sydney, Australia on September 11th. A lot of good forums coming, so check that out. Thank you to Patricia Harris, Malcolm Kimberlin, Greg Chase doing double duty here at 
as a supporter for the show and a guest and the Business Channel team. And a special thank you to my wonderful guest, Steve Romero. Delighted to have you back. Yes, we'll get you back again. Don't worry, Steve. You'll get your SAP radio fix very soon. And thank you to Judson Wickham for joining us. A pleasure. And thank you for your great insights and Gen Y perspective. Thank you to Jeff Kaplan. Always a pleasure from Think Strategies. And my buddy, Greg Chase, thanks for helping us put this together. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Parting words are go be a game changer for your company today, rogue or not. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week here on SAP Radio on the Business Channel. Bye-bye. Thank you again for being part of In the Cloud with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Please join Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. And be sure to tune in to our other program, Coffee Break with Game Changers, every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, also on the Business Channel. Between shows, visit us at www.sapgamechangersradio.com.